0: And welcome to a path to redemption the podcast. My name is Daniel Arona and just remember this simple truth. The Father loves you. Jesus loves you, and the Holy Spirit loves you. Look, once again, I hope that you've had a great week. I hope, again, that you've had time to spend with the Lord in prayer and also in Scripture. Again, I cannot stress this enough. Time is wrapping up here, and we've just got to, got to, got to make sure that we are staying as close to the Lord as we possibly can. And I I hope that that this podcast is helping to prepare you for the things that are coming so that you can see clearly the things that that are coming today, because there is just so many things happening and so quickly between the way things are lining up in the middle east to digital id systems to the whole thing and and look i just think that it's important that we watch and pray that we may be accounted worthy to escape these things and stand before the son of man as jesus said in luke 21 so Make sure that you're doing that. Make sure that you're fostering your intimate relationship. If you have a body of believers, make sure that you're growing in in your relationship with them too, because we're going to come to a point where we're going to have to rely on each other for everything. And I truly believe that that day is approaching very, very quickly. So over the past couple of weeks, we've been talking about as it was in the days of Noah, we went into a deep dive about the iniquity of man and how and how it got down into the days of Noah, leading up to the flood. Uh, last time we did a deeper dive into as it was in the days of Sodom, which was also material, considering that Christ said that as it was in the days of Noah, and so as it was in the days of Lot, so will it be in the days of the coming of the Son of Man, and I think that that's important, right? And we're really going to talk about that here in the next couple of weeks, and we have a couple of more lessons that are going to lead us into kind of the double portion of iniquity that we have here. But before we get to that, we've really got to talk about a couple of things here, and the first one is that there's two witnesses before every judgment, and that's what we're going to talk about today. So, But before we get there, again, all of our scripture comes from the New King James Version of the Bible. If you would like a copy of a New King James Bible, feel free to drop me a note at at path to Redemption at Gmail.com. I'm more than happy to get one into your hands. Also, my book is out, Grace Abounds. If you'd like a copy of that, drop me a note as well. Again, Path to Redemption Ohio at Gmail.com. And then, once again, finally, don't just take my word for it. Again, as I've said numerous times on this podcast, I don't care who it is. I don't care if it's me. I don't care if it's the Pope. I don't care who it is. You never, ever, ever take someone's what they say at face value. You always do your own study. You always search scripture for yourself and you work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. Amen. But with that said, you can always drop me a note. I'm here to help. I'm here to answer questions. Um, you know, I think I'm a pretty decent resource. So if you, if you want me to, if you have any questions or anything like that, just feel free to drop me a note. Okay, so again, we've been talking about as it was in the days of Noah and Sodom, um, but there's a reason that this judgment is much worse here in the tribulation. But before we get to that, we have to understand what Solomon said in Ecclesiastes. So in Ecclesiastes chapter 1, 1 verse for starting at verse 1 and going to verse 11 it says the words of the preacher the son of david king in jerusalem vanity of vanities says the preacher vanity of vanities all is vanity what profit has a man from his labor in which he toils under the sun one generation passes away and another generation comes but the earth abides forever the sun also rises and the sun goes down and hastens to the place where it arose the wind goes towards the south and turns around north the wind whirls about continually and comes again on its circuit All the rivers run into the sea, yet the sea is not full. To the place from which the rivers come, there they return again. All things are full of labor.' Man cannot express it. The eye is not satisfied with seeing, nor the ear filled with hearing. That which has been is what will be. That which is done is what will be done. And there is nothing new under the sun. Is there anything of which it may be said, see, this is new. It has already been in ancient times before us. There is no remembrance of former things, nor will be any remembrance of things that are to come by those who will come after. So what all does this mean? This basically, Solomon's laying out at the very beginning of Ecclesiastes, that history is going to repeat itself. Things once forgotten in ancient times are now about to repeat themselves. And there's a lot of parallels here with what Christ said around this, because he said, as it was in the days of Noah and as it was in the days of Lot, right? And we see that, and there's parallels there between the time of Noah and the flood and the time leading up to the second coming of Jesus Christ. And we've looked at a couple of those already in terms of sin and depravity and iniquity and those things that were happening. And again, let's not forget exactly what Christ said about this time in Luke 17, 26 through 30, it says, and as it was in the days of Noah, so it will be also in the days of the son of man. They ate, they drank, they married wives, they were given in marriage until the day that Noah entered the ark and the flood came and destroyed them all. Likewise, as it was also in the days of Lot, they ate, they drank, they bought, they sold, they planted, they built. But on the day that Lot went out of Sodom, it rained fire and brimstone from heaven and destroyed them all. Even so will it be in the day when the Son of Man is revealed. So there are specific parallels leading up to this time, both in the days of Noah, leading up to the flood, and also in the days of Lot, leading up to the destruction of the of Sodom. So let's take a look specifically, though, at Methuselah in Noah. Genesis five twenty seven twenty five through twenty seven says this about Methuselah. Methuselah lived 187 years and begot Lamech. And after he begot Lamech, Methuselah lived 782 years and had sons and daughters. So all the days of Methuselah were 969 years and he died. This is all we get in scripture. But when we look at the ages and do the math, we know that Methuselah died the same year, of the flood, and was there with Noah as he preached to the men during that time. He was one of two witnesses. And again, we go back to the book of Jasher for additional context. So, Jasher chapter 5, starting at verse 5 through 8, it says, And all who followed the Lord died in those days, before they saw the evil which God declared to do upon the earth. And after the lapse of many years, in the 480th year of the life of Noah, when all those men who followed the Lord had died away from amongst the sons of men, and only Methuselah was then left. God said unto Noah and Methuselah, saying, Speak ye, and proclaim to the sons of men, saying, Thus saith the Lord, Return from your evil ways, and forsake your works, and the Lord will repent of the evil that he declared to do to you, so that it shall not come to pass. For thus says the Lord, Behold, I will give you a period of 120 years. If you will turn to me and forsake your evil ways, then will I also turn away from the evil which I told you, And it shall not exist, says the Lord. So we know that this is corroborated by, you know, Genesis chapter 6, starting at verse 1 and going to verse 12. It says, Now it came to pass, when men began to multiply on the face of the earth, and the daughters were born to them, that the sons of God saw the daughters of men, that they were beautiful, and they took wives for themselves, of all whom they chose. And the Lord said, My spirit shall not strive with man forever, for he is indeed flesh, yet his days shall be 120 years. There were giants on the earth in those days and also afterwards when the sons of God came into daughters of men and they bore children to them. Those were the mighty men who were of old men of renown. The Lord saw that the wickedness of man was great in the earth, and that every intent of the thoughts of his heart was only evil continually. And the Lord was sorry that he made man on the earth, and he was grieved in his heart. So the Lord said, I will destroy man whom I have created from the face of the earth, both man and beast, creeping thing, and birds of the air, for I am sorry that I have made them. But Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. This is the genealogy of Noah. Noah was a just man, perfect in his generations. Noah walked with God, and Noah begot three sons, Shem, Ham, and Japheth. The earth also was corrupt before God, and the earth was filled with violence. So God looked upon the earth, and indeed it was corrupt, for all flesh had corrupted their way on the earth. So why is this so important, and why am I trying to establish that Methuselah and Noah Preach together prior to the flood to get men to turn away from their wicked ways. It's because there were two witnesses on the earth prior to the judgment, and there are always two witnesses. We see this parallel in Revelation 11, 1-6. Then I was given a reed like a measuring rod, and the angel stood, saying, Rise and measure the temple of God, the altar and those who worship there. But leave out the court which is the outside of the temple, and do not measure it, for it has been given to the Gentiles. And they will tread the holy city underfoot for 42 months. And I will give power to my two witnesses, so they will prophesy 1,260 days clothed in sackcloth. These are the two olive trees and the two lampstands standing before the God of the earth. And if anyone wants to harm them, fire proceeds from their mouth and devours their enemies. And if anyone wants to harm them, he must be killed in this manner. These have power to shut up heaven, so that no rain falls in the days of their prophecy, and they have power over waters to turn them to blood and to strike the earth with all plagues as often as they desire. So prior to the flood and prior to the second coming of Christ, there are two witnesses that are raised up to declare judgment. Zechariah prophesied about this in Zechariah 4, and this preceded the vision of the end regarding the flying scroll, which we're going to talk about next time. But Zechariah 4, 2-5 through 5 says this, and he said to me, what do you see? So I said, I am looking, and there is a lampstand of solid gold with a bowl on top of it, and on the stand seven lamps and seven pipes to the seven lamps. Two olive trees are by it one at the right of the bowl and the other at its left. So I answered and spoke to the angel who talked with me, saying, What are these, my lord? Then the angel who talked with me answered and said to me, Do you not know what these are? And I said, No, my lord. So jumping down to verse 11, he says, Then I answered and said to him, What are these two olive trees at the right of the lampstand and at its left? And I further answered and said to him, What are these two olive branches that dip into the receptacles of the two gold pipes from which the gold oil drains? Then he answered me and said, Do you not, not know what these are? And I said, No, my lord. So he said, These are the two anointed ones who stand beside the Lord of the whole earth. Right? Again, Here's what you have to understand. There were two witnesses in the times of Noah before the destruction. It was Noah and it was Methuselah. There are two witnesses shown here in the book of Revelation. The two witnesses that when they are attacked or someone tries to do harm with them, it will consume them. Their job is to preach and to prophesy the same way that Noah and Methuselah did. And we understand that these two witnesses come from the spirit of that they stand before the whole earth basically as witnesses. Now, why is all of this important? because we know that out of the mouths of two or more witnesses shall every word be established. But before we get to that, just remember, Christ said as it was in Lot's day as well. Well, guess what? There were two witnesses at the days of Sodom too. Genesis 18, 16 through 21 says, Then the men rose from there and looked towards Sodom, and Abraham went with them to send them on the way. And the Lord said, Shall I hide from Abraham what I am doing, since Abraham shall surely become a great and mighty nation, and all the eight nations of the earth shall be blessed in him? For I have known him in order that he may command his children and his household after him, that they keep the way of the Lord to do righteousness and justice. And the Lord may bring to Abraham what he has spoken to him. And the Lord said, because the outcry against Sodom and Gomorrah is great. And because their sin is very grave, I will go down now and see whether they have done altogether, according to the outcry against it, that has come to me. And if not, I will know, right? So here we see a picture of the pre-incarnate Christ who is going down as one of the two witnesses to make sure to see if exactly what's happening in Sodom and Gomorrah is exactly what's been reported. Now, the purpose of these two witnesses is to stand before the Lord and the earth and to declare to Him what is actually happening in terms of iniquity and depravity. There are always two. The reason is because again, out of the mouths of two or more witnesses shall every word be established. Whoever is deserving did. 17, six through seven says, whoever is deserving of death shall be put to death on the testimony of two or three witnesses. He shall not be put to death on the testimony of one witness. The hands of the witnesses shall be the first against him to put him to death and afterward the hands of all the people. So you shall put away the evil from among you. God told the children of Israel that there were two witnesses when they decided between God and God. And themselves Deuteronomy thirty nineteen through 20 says this I call heaven and earth as witnesses today against you that I have set before you life and death blessing and cursing therefore choose life that both you and your descendants may live that you may love the Lord your God that you may obey his voice and that you may cling to him. For he is your life and the length of your days, and that you may dwell in the land which the Lord swore to your fathers, to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, to give them. With two witnesses, God establishes that mankind is guilty and deserving of the judgment that is coming. That is why there were two witnesses in the flood. That's why there were two witnesses in the destruction of Sodom and Gomorrah. That's why there are two witnesses in, in the tribulation so laying down that groundwork of destruction and judgment why is there a double portion of iniquity resulting from this? Well, there's a whole host of things that we're going to get to and that we're going to take a look at, right? But at the end of the day, it's out of the mouths of two or more witnesses that every word is going to be established. Now, here's the other thing I would tell you is that I would personally would argue that there are always two witnesses every single time that judgment falls. It doesn't matter if it's on a nation, it doesn't matter if it's in your own personal life, it doesn't matter in any of those things. And oftentimes, one One witness is the Holy Spirit and the other time the other witness may be your own spirit acknowledging that you're making a mistake and that things have to change or it may be a multitude of witnesses as well, whether it's a bunch of people praying for a nation or trying to to levy God to go back to a nation that that, or to show mercy and grace to a nation similar to what happened in in Nineveh right because we know that Jonah that saw the sins of Nineveh and gave them they were given an opportunity to repent and it bore witness with them so that they ultimately became set themselves on ashes and sackcloth right because we know that if my people which are called by my name shall humble themselves and pray and turn from their wicked ways then I will hear from heaven. I will forgive their sins and I will heal their land, right? So we've got to understand that portion of this is that there is a way out of this. Even if there's two witnesses here, there is always a way of escape. Now, look, we go back and we see what God said It again in the book of Jasher where he said, you know what? I am going to give you 120 years. And he said, Speak ye and proclaim to the sons of men, saying, Thus says the Lord, Return from your evil ways and forsake your works. And the Lord will repent of the evil that he declared to do to you, so that it shall not come to pass. For thus says the Lord behold I give you a period of 120 years you will turn to me and forsake your evil ways then I will also turn from the evil which I told you and it shall not exist says the Lord. The Lord will always always give us an opportunity to repent. Give us an opportunity to turn away from all the things that we are doing wrong, to give us an opportunity to turn back to him. It's happened so many times in our own nation. In fact, that I think it's material for us to understand that, that it's happened that many times in America. America has been through this so many times and yet has repented in every single one of them up until now. Right. See, God always gives us that opportunity. But here, let's look at this. In in 1863, when Abraham Lincoln was president, we were in the, the heart of the Civil War. It was unsure of how exactly this whole thing was going to fall. And Abraham Lincoln issued a proclamation as the president of the United States. And I'm going to read that to you here. And it says, whereas the Senate of the United States devoutly recognizing the supreme authority and just government of Almighty God in all the affairs of men and of nations has by a resolution requested the President to designate and set apart a day for national prayer and humiliation. And whereas it is the duty of nations as well as of men to own their dependence upon the overruling power of God, to confess their sins and transgressions in humble sorrow, yet with assured hope that genuine repentance will lead to mercy and pardon, and to recognize the sublime truth announced in the Holy Scriptures and proven by all history that those nations only are blessed whose God is the Lord. And insomuch as we know that by His divine law, nations like individuals are subjected to punishments and chastisements in this world, May we not justly fear that the awful calamity of civil war, which now desolates the land, may be but a punishment inflicted upon us for our presumptuous sins to the needful end of our national reformation as a whole people. We have been the recipients of the choicest bounties of heaven. We have been preserved these many years in peace and prosperity. We have grown in numbers, wealth, and power as no other nation has ever grown. But we have forgotten God. We have forgotten the gracious hand which preserved us in peace and multiplied and enriched and strengthened us. And we have vainly imagined in the deceitfulness of our hearts that all these blessings were produced by some superior wisdom and virtue of our own. Intoxicated with unbroken success, we have become too self-sufficient to feel the necessity of redeeming and and preserving grace, too proud to say that God made us. It behooves us then to humble ourselves before the offended power, to confess our national sins, and to pray for clemency and forgiveness. Now, therefore, in compliance with the request and fully concurring in the views of the Senate, I do do by this my proclamation designate and set apart Thursday, the 30th of April, 1863, as a day of national humiliation, fasting, and prayer. And I do hereby request all people to abstain on that day from their ordinary secular pursuits and to unite at their several places of public worship and their respective homes in keeping the day holy to the Lord and devoted to the humble discharge of the religious duties proper to that solemn occasion. All this being done in sincerity and truth, let us then rest humbly in the hope authorized by the divine teachings that the united cry of the nation will be heard on high and answered with blessings no less than a pardon of our national sins and the restoration of our now divided and suffering country to its former happy condition of unity and peace. In witness whereof I have hereunto set my hand and caused the seal of the United States to be affixed, done at the city of Washington this 30th day of March, A.D. 1863, and of the independence of the United States, the 87th, Abraham Lincoln. No one talks like that anymore, but more importantly... He recognized that the nation's turmoil was not brought about by anything else other than their own sins then their own sins, and called for a national day of repentance and humiliation. But you know what happened after that? In July of that year, just, you know, a simple two months from that, from that prayer and from that day, what happened is that the Union won at Gettysburg, and then took Vicksburg, the key supply chain for the Confederacy, both in July of 1863. Had the nation not prayed and interceded and repented, the country would looked very different you see you have to understand that when when a nation cries out and a nation comes to them and humbles themselves before God that he will hear them but it started with the leadership because Abraham Lincoln had to do that you see I got news for you here is that this world is about to be judged and America is about to be judged and I truly believe it's already started to happen but that's neither here nor there because it's not not really into this particular podcast but why do I say that because there are witnesses galore of all the things of all the wrongs that we have done and frankly there needs to be a president a congress that will sit down kneel before god call for a day of humiliation and prayer if we are ever to see this thing turn around unfortunately i just don't see it happening and unfortunately i see it as a as a as a high express lane straight to the end of this age until we see the coming of jesus christ and then ultimately the millennial kingdom that is coming next but God, in His two witnesses that He provides, will always give time for repentance and time for His mercy and grace to work. However, I'm not sure that we're there yet, because what did Abraham say Lincoln say in this? He said that we have forgotten God, we have forgotten the things that got us to where we were. Right, And that's what he what's ultimately the key here, and guess what? that is the first stage of a reprobate mind. and why do I say that? Going back to Romans chapter one, it talks about what it takes to get into a reprobate mind, and frankly, all of those things are steps, they're steps to get back into that. And the very first thing that is there is that is in verse twenty one it says because that when they knew God, they glorified him not as God, neither were thankful. But become vain in their imaginations and their foolish heart was darkened. Abraham Lincoln said that we have thought that it was some greater wisdom that got us there. We are in that position again, right this very second, as a nation and frankly, as a world. We feel that there's a wisdom that we have that God doesn't have. We feel that there's a, that there's a, that we know better for our own lives than what the sovereign God does and that we don't need Jesus Christ in order to make it through this life. And I'm sorry, but that's false. And God has Told us witness after witness, prophet after prophet person after person but more importantly he's spoken it through his son Jesus Christ and we have rejected it at this point that's why now I truly believe we're going into into a post Christian era a post Christian society not only in America but across this world and that we have got to be prepared for it as Christians we've got to understand what it is to be a remnant we've got to understand what it is to to operate as a remnant during this time because things are going to get much much worse as we go ahead so look I hope you guys Got something out of this because look god has sent witnesses god has sent two or more witnesses you know he's already done that there are going to be two or more witnesses coming to to the jews in order to to hopefully see some of them come to the knowledge of him but guess what Noah and Methuselah preached for 120 years and saw not a single convert before the destruction. Jeremiah preached for, I think, 40 years and didn't see a single convert before the destruction of, of Jerusalem, even though that had been prophesied year over year by Ezekiel, by Jeremiah, up until it happened. Right. And I think we've got to understand this. And we've got to understand what's going on and what's happening in this world. And until we do, then, you know, we're just things are going to continue to spiral out of control the way that they are. And I'm sorry if that bursts your bubble, but there's not a, a there's not a political person, there's no one coming to save this world except for Jesus Christ. Oh, there's gonna be a man of sin, the son of perdition, the antichrist, who thinks he's gonna save this world, but he's not gonna be able to. So, at the end of the day, we've got to make sure that we stay clo- as close to Christ as we possibly can and stay close to who He is. Amen. So, again, I hope you got something out of this. If you have any questions, feel free to drop me a note at Path to Redemption Ohio at gmail.com. I am more than happy to help you. But until next time, just remember this simple truth the Father loves you, Jesus loves you, and the Holy Spirit loves you. God bless.